Welcome to the end of religious Christianity. If you're truly born again, you've got the joy of the Lord inside of your spirit. You've got power inside of your spirit. My gift from God is to move you into your spirit, man, where God is, where you know all things, where things present and things to come are yours. Come with me into the kingdom of God. Hey guys, I hope you enjoy this great message about the throne room, about the kingdom of God, about who you really are, how you have been included in the Godhead. And I just want to start with this little bit of an excerpt from Kevin Zadai. It just really paints the picture that God is sharing through this episode. Love you heaps. Enjoy the next hour. something that's going to flip you out but where i was i was i walked into this room jesus took me there so it's his fault but i couldn't see the floor couldn't see the ceiling couldn't see the wall there was this room had no no uh, furniture or paintings it was the glory of god and i never i mean i've been to the throne i've sat beside jesus on a throne and don't worry about it, it's in Revelation. In the, in the second chapter, it says that he who overcomes will also sit with me on a throne. So get over it. We're seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, and Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. So get over it. We sit, we're seated with him. So I was sitting with him on a throne beside Jesus. He's right there. And I didn't even want to be there. I said, what am I doing here? I want to go down and worship. Because all these people were worshiping. And so I tried to sneak off because Jesus was basking in the worship. And the Father wasn't. So I went like this. I'm going to see the Father. So I went like this. And Jesus body blocked me. He said, you can't see the face of the Father. Your body won't take you back. You, once you see him, you, you won't live in your body any longer. Your body's fallen. It won't accept your spirit back. It'll melt. I said, whoa, okay. All right. <laughs> So I tried to sneak off and sneak down there. I just wanted to get there. There was angels right at the front that were face down. I just wanted to get in the front row there and worship God. I thought, what am I doing here besides Jesus? Because it felt, you know what I'm talking about. It felt like they were worshiping me, that they weren't. They were worshiping the Father and the Son. But I was seated with him according to Scripture, and I was there. And Jesus said, no, because I, I went like this, and I got my right toe down on that beautiful whatever was down there it was beautiful marble or something and um i was gonna sneak off he says no he said i bought this place for you this is your place this is yours hey guys welcome back kingdom dynamics podcast episode 88 i'm jonathan thank you so much for listening <clears throat> today i'm not trying to preach to you. I feel that I just want to come to you in my weakness, in my um, vulnerability, in myself, and just tell you where I'm coming from a little bit, who I am. <clears throat> I I have been an ordained minister and, and pastor to church. That was fun. Uh, one of the greatest challenges for me was, you know, dealing with the two different realms, you know, because on the one hand, you know, I was a 
a preacher, a minister of, of God, a, a kingdom-minded person who who had the power of God, the boldness, you know, a lot of boldness, and I knew what God wanted to do. It was a very interesting experience because I had the gift of oversight, and the Bible is clear that we are overseers of men's souls. And it's funny, when people came into the church, immediately I knew if they were going to stay or if they were going to leave or if they were a witch or a warlock that had been assigned to the church from as a, a, as a devil. <clears throat> I knew exactly which positions people needed to be in and who was anointed. I knew who the gifts were, whether someone was a teacher or an evangelist, and God would tell me what to do. And it was very easy. All I did was implement What I found was when I implemented the vision that he gave me, people got saved. Three things happened. People got saved, the glory of God entered the room, and demons manifested. I found that these three things always came together. And I think of Jesus. You know, one day he's being worshipped as Hosanna. And he's on a donkey and they're laying down the the palm trees and the next day they're trying to kill him. You know, it was the same with Joseph. He was, you know, had great favor in, in Potiphar's house and then he was in the dungeon in prison for years and then he had favor again. And I've found the same thing. I've been fired from so many jobs, but at the same time I've been promoted. You know, I'm one of about three people who are working at the moment out of thousands of employees in my company. And I've had the same thing. I've had, oh my God, the stories I've had. I've basically, I've experienced there's, there's both great favor and great persecution. And they come together. Like for example, the owner of the business loved me and he would just look at me like I was an angel and give me money in my hand as a gift when he would steal money from the other employees. You know, this guy literally would take the tips away from his employees illegally and then he would take it home, And but he would give money to me. Now, this same guy fired me later because somebody rang him up and made up 100% false accusations against me. You know, this man, you know, so I've had so many experiences like this where where it's not me. I'm not being fired because I did anything wrong. In fact, I'm the uh, the first one to arrive, the last to leave, the most diligent. I do more than enough, you know, I love the customers. Um, what am I saying is, is this is the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I, I didn't come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. He said, Jesus, he's the king, right, of the kingdom. He said, your own household members will be your enemy. So don't be surprised when the world hates you. Don't be surprised if, you know, people in the church manifest demons. I don't know why this is so difficult for people to understand. So I had so much opposition in the church. I had people write letters against me. I had people call me names. I, I was um, ambushed. 
you know, literally I'd be called to someone's house for a coffee and then I'd turn up and there'd be a team of people there accusing me of things that were just not really that important. And what am I saying? Well, when God told me to do something and I did it, there was salvations, there was signs and wonders, glory would come in, but there was also persecution. Now, I was glad when those people left. Thank God they left. You know, I'm sure Paul was really happy when Barnabas left. He became very effective after Barnabas left. So what I'm telling you is, you know, we could say that Paul was disqualified because he was a failure. You know, Paul was in prison writing these letters that we're reading right now. But was he a failure? How can he call himself more than a conqueror when he was in jail? Is that fair? But you see, there's this paradox in the kingdom of God. You know, I'm walking with so much joy, so much peace. I'm walking on the water in my life. No matter what the devil throws against me, I'm overcoming. But it's my weakness. It's I'm overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of, of my testimony, the more the devil throws at me, the more I elevate, the more it looks like I'm floating on air. And I am because the devil is just pushing me more and more into the glory. So, you know, this morning I woke up feeling, you know, less than adequate. But I have positioned myself and determined my feet will hit the ground today. I did my 30 minutes of prayer. I read the Bible. I forced myself to do my exercises and weights and I started to feel great and I started to feel excellent. And it's not about my feelings, but God, it's changed. Everything has changed. And so today I want to share with you a little bit about me and vulnerability because it's so powerful that I don't know what to do other than yell at you about it. And so this is my experience. Nobody invited me to church. My parents didn't go to church. You know, dad was Italian, so there was a little bit of Catholicism there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I never went to church from the age of 10 to 18. But I found God in this high school, and I remember walking into that hallway uninvited no one invited me there was no letterbox in my you know dropped in my letterbox and i didn't respond to anything other than the holy spirit who moved on me to go there and why do i say that because i remember being absorbed into the family of god i remember it felt like when you join mercury together if you've seen mercury join together i became one with that group of people I never met them. I never saw their faces, but I'm telling you, I became one with that group of people before I even walked in the room. It was like everyone in that room was a puddle of liquid and I became a liquid and I joined the puddle. I remember feeling a sense of belonging to that family, to those people I became part of the body of Christ that was Christian City Church Camberwell. And that was when everyone was facing the front and worshipping. 
And so the reason I say that is I'm so aware of the spiritual realm. God made me so acutely aware of the spiritual realm. I remember the next day I was smoking a cigarette with a friend of mine. I was only 18 and I was immediately delivered of of marijuana, but I never thought to stop smoking. So I I was smoking a cigarette and and my friend looked in my eyes and he was shaken to the core and he stood back and he said, when you looked at me, he said, you looked into my soul and he felt God, he, he didn't know what had happened to me, but I knew that I was possessed. I became possessed by the Holy Spirit because that's what happens when you get born again. My spirit was born again and I physically felt it. I felt my spirit come alive. I felt my spirit break open. I remember it, it, I felt a glass covering over my belly smash and shatter. And it was like a cold breeze. It was like there was a plane of glass, a plate of glass or ice over my belly, and it shattered. And Jesus became one with me. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the inclusion of Jesus. You know, many of us consider Christianity as, as as a ticket to heaven. It's almost like Christianity is an exclusion from the world. And it is a little bit. You know, the Bible says that, you know, don't be a friend of the world. But what I've realized now more than ever before is the what we've been included into. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. But first, I need to tell you that I became so aware of the demonic realm. I became so aware. I remember, I remember a friend of mine came over and he had a girlfriend and they weren't Christians, and she wanted to to lay hands on me because she was doing some sort of, you know, Reiki healing or something. And look, I didn't know anything at the time. I didn't understand what had happened to me because I had been born again, but I had never read the Bible. I had never read the Bible. I had never heard of the name Holy Spirit. You know, I'm sure they said it in Catholic school at some point, but I never knew anything about the Holy Spirit or tongues. And I felt extremely uncomfortable with her touching me. It wasn't, you know, it was not an intimate thing. It was like she was just wanting to to do like a, a massage or a prayer. And I didn't understand, but I felt incredibly uncomfortable. And and the Holy Spirit on me was very angry at at this at her. <laughs> and you know, just little things like that I became very aware of. I remember um, in those early days, leading a friend to Christ, and he was, you know, man, psychotic. And um, I went, I didn't know, I felt God say, take him to the pub. So this guy was, you know, really on the edge. I mean, really on the edge. He drove like, I don't know, 120 kilometers an hour through the suburbs, and we got to the pub. It was on a Tuesday morning, and we're in the pub. It was the skinny dog in queue. And we were in there and there was a young girl in there with another woman and the woman had a cross around her neck. And I thought, you know, she didn't look like a Christian. Now, I didn't understand at the time that, you know, witches and all that wear crosses as well. So this woman just started to to yell at me and her friend was so embarrassed. But this woman started to say, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian and all these things. And um, and her friend got really embarrassed, and I the, the woman got up from her table because I was sitting there evangelizing 
not her and not her friend, but my friend. I had just led him to Christ. And I was telling him about Jesus in the pub, in the morning, in the daytime. Now, she cornered me in the corner of the hotel, in the, in the, in the bar, and I had to call security. And I saw them running. And when they got there and they saw me in the corner, they, they, they had to check reality because I was this big guy and I was being challenged by this woman. She was spitting and frothing at the mouth and I had my hand raised over her head, you know, from about a, a foot and a half away and I was praying in tongues at the top of my lungs and I said, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. Now, she went outside the bar. So she didn't go outside the the premises. She went out into the beer garden. Now, the beer garden was closed. So basically the beer garden was a fence where there was a, a, a neighboring property. <clears throat> and you know how a fly can be stuck between the window and the fly wire? Well, she went in between the fence and the outside of the window where I was. So she went, I literally cast her out because she didn't want the devil to, to leave her. So she went out with the devil. You know, these amazing things happen. And, and I ended up leading my friend to Christ and it was very powerful. Um, and, and the reason I say that <clears throat> is there is a demonic realm. Colossians chapter 1 says that we were transferred from darkness and into the light. And I'm so aware of this. And I know that you know this, but I want you to understand that when I come to the gospel, when I preach the word of God to you, I understand that the enemy of our souls, the devil, the ruler of this world, the, the, the prince of the, the, the spirits of the air, the God of this age, the one who blinds the minds of unbelievers, also known as Satan and Lucifer and the fallen angel, he is most threatened by the message of the kingdom of God. He is most threatened by the kingdom of God. You see, it's kingdom that's going to replace him. It's kingdom that's going to displace him. It's not healing. Healing will displace sickness, but the kingdom will displace Satan. I'm going to say that again. Healing will displace sickness, but the kingdom will displace Satan. You see, the Bible says that unless, the Bible says that you are not a Christian unless the Spirit of God dwells in you. So what happened to you and to me, and this is in 1 John, but what happened to you and to me is that the Holy Spirit took ownership of you. The Holy Spirit took ownership. The Holy Spirit entered your life, entered your body. The Holy Spirit entered your spirit. He possesses you. He bought you. The Holy Spirit owns you. He is the Lord. The Lord means mighty owner, Adonai, mighty owner. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is the man, son of man. Christ is is the, the Spirit, Son of God. Lord is the owner. He's the mighty Lord owner, the, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus Christ. And he, is, he owns you. So the Holy Spirit owns you. If he doesn't own you, then you are not saved. If he doesn't own you, then you are not in the kingdom of God. If God doesn't own you, 
then you are owned by the devil and you're still a child of the devil. So apologies, it's actually Romans 8 verse 9. It says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. That is if the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So you are owned by God. Now, this is what I want to get to you about. So now you understand a little bit about me, um, a little bit about the, the clash of two kingdoms. And what I realized was I started to to really seek first the kingdom of God and to literally make the kingdom of God first. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33 to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I began to study the kingdom of God. How can I seek it first if I don't know what it is? And I discovered that the kingdom of God is not a religion. The kingdom of God has 0% religion in it. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. The kingdom of God is the opposite to a democracy. If a king gives you land and buildings, it's considered royal favor. If a president gives you land and buildings, it's considered treason. It's considered bribery. Okay? So the king is not elected like in a democracy. The king is born. And you and I are born again. You and I are born not of the will of a man or a woman, but of the will of God. You know, it says in Ephesians uh, chapter 1 here, it says, He and he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. It is all about us, man. It is all about you and me. You know, the Bible also says in Revelation 13, I believe it is, that Jesus Christ was the lamb who was slain before the creation of the world. There it is again in Ephesians chapter 1, this idea that God created the heavens and the earth for you and I to have a relationship with you and I. Man, it says in Rome, it says in Psalm 8, who is man that you are mindful of him? the son of man that you honor him, for you made him a little lower than Elohim. God made us a little lower than himself. And Jesus himself calls us gods. In Psalm 82 verse 6, Jesus quotes this in, in John chapter 10, around verse 34, 35. He says, Did it, does the Lord not say you are gods? And he said, and the scripture cannot be revoked. So what I'm trying to say to you is you were included in something far bigger than what religion will allow you to believe. And the devil is terrified because today we are already in the time of displacement. We are in the time where the devil is going to lose his throne. He's going to lose everything. In fact, he's already lost his throne. But we're in a time where God is revealing the true gospel of the kingdom of God. 
It's not the gospel of salvation. It's not the gospel of your best life or self-help or a ticket to heaven or the good news of the forgiveness of sins. These are basic teachings that Hebrews was striving to explain to you that you need to move on from. These are not the full gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul talks about his gospel. Paul writes about his gospel. His gospel talks about being seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus, seated in heaven, seated on his throne, being partakers of the divine nature. Have you taken part of the divine nature today? Have you taken part? Have you become part of God today? Are you living as though you are part of God? Are you living as though you are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus? That is the full gospel. The full gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. Now, it's a kingdom of priests and kings, according to Revelation 3 and 5 and many other verses. And 9, you, the kingdom, is a kingdom of sons and daughters. You and I have been included into the Godhead. Jesus said, I pray, Father, that they would be one as we are one. So let's do the maths. One plus one plus one equals one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are one. And then Jesus said, plus one. Jesus said, one plus one plus one plus one equals one. He said that the church might be one, that we would be married to Jesus, that we would become one with him. You know, it's really interesting to me that Eve was taken out of Adam's side and God created a wife for Adam by tearing open his side. And Jesus was pierced through in his side. And what happens when a baby's born? The water breaks. And this really bothered me for a long time because the Bible says that the water and the blood testify and the water and the blood are in agreement. And I believe what God is saying to me is that, that in the same way that Eve came out of the side of Adam, you and I came out of the side of Jesus. That was the church was born on that day. The church was born on the day that Jesus was crucified in a sense that as he was pierced in his side and water and blood gushed out, God was creating a wife, a beautiful wife. God was saying it's not good for Jesus to be alone, but he is going to have another helper, the Holy, not the Holy Spirit, but a wife that would come alongside him. And we are his wife. We are his bride and we are going to become one with him. Now, let's look at this idea of inclusion in the Bible. I want to show you, and I've, I've got a, a few passages here from Ephesians and, and whatnot. Now, we know these scriptures from Romans chapter 8, but can you please hear them from a perspective of the kingdom? Can you please hear them from the perspective that the kingdom is about being included in the Godhead? The kingdom is about being included in Christ. The Bible says clearly we are heirs of God. 
that he is our inheritance and we inherit all of God and God inherits all of us. Ephesians says that the Father loves us with the same love that he loved Jesus. The Bible says in Ephesians that we have the same righteousness that Jesus has. So we're perfectly righteous. More than that, we are the holiest of holies. We are. Your body could not hold the Holy Spirit if it were not holy. Holy Spirit cannot live in you if you have sin in your life. Of course, if you do sin, you're not a sinner because you are a slave of righteousness. So the Holy Spirit can only enter your body because it's holy. Your body is holy because it has been washed by the blood. The blood of Jesus has not covered your sins. The blood of Jesus has obliterated your sins. The blood of Jesus has has washed your sins away. They cannot be found anymore. There is no more accusing voice. The devil has nothing in you. He has no power unless you give it to him. And you can go back and listen to some of my podcasts on warfare. So what I'm saying to you is what have you been included into? The Holy Spirit can't live in you unless you're holy. So you are holy. You've been bought with a price. If a king buys a painting, that painting becomes very valuable. You see people advertising houses in Hollywood and they say, you know, Russell Crowe lived here, you know, you know, Elvis lived here and that increases the value. So your value is because of the blood of Jesus. Now, you cannot sin because you're a Christian. How can a dead person sin? You're dead. Paul explains it. He says, you can't put somebody's will and testament into effect until they've died. So the moment you eat the blood of eat the body of Christ and drink his blood you are identifying with his death burial and resurrection you no longer live but Christ lives inside of you your body's dead and you cannot sin the bible says now if you do sin the bible says you can be forgiven as long as you confess your sin so it becomes about relationship so now it's not about sinning as though you're breaking the law It's sinning as though you're breaking relationship. It's sinning as though you're grieving the Holy Spirit. It's sinning as though you're walking away from God. Because for every one of us, and this is for those who are saved and those who are not saved, the greatest sin is unbelief. The greatest sin that everyone will be held accountable for on the day of judgment, especially us Christians, is unbelief, that we did not receive Jesus, that we did not believe Jesus, that we buried our talents in the ground, that we didn't accept his forgiveness, that his blood wasn't enough for us, that we needed to do more. Like Paul said to the Galatians, who has bewitched you? You were once moving in the spirit. You began in the spirit, but now you're trying to win and move on in the flesh. The greatest sin is unbelief. There is no demon that can stay when you use the name of Jesus. There is no sickness that can stay when you use the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is enough. His stripes are enough to heal every sickness. Otherwise, he needs to come and die again. 
And we know that that is not true. Jesus doesn't have to die again. He said, it is finished. So I'm laying a foundation here because it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, and this is basically, you know, my book today. Maybe oh, I'd m- much prefer to do an audio uh, recording because <laughs> it's a bit quicker. But 2 Peter, I'm going to, I want to do a book too. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, Devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness and to goodness understanding and to understanding strength of self-control, to self-control in patient endurance, to patient endurance godliness, and to godliness mercy and to mercy love. These virtues are already planted deep within you and you possess them in abundant supply. They will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. But... If anyone lacks these things, he is blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence, for his past sins have been washed away. So what Peter is saying here is he's connecting the, the either you're moving what is what he's saying he's connecting either you're moving forward with God. Because the whole idea of, of being a Christian on the earth, as well as you know, manifesting his glory and and preaching the gospel and seeing other people say is you're being transformed into his image because your spirit's been born again. So your spirit is blameless, but you need to add to your faith knowledge and to knowledge self-control. So either you're moving forward or you're moving backwards. That's why Jesus said, you're either, I want you to be hot or cold. I don't want you to be lukewarm. And so Peter is saying, either you're becoming more like God because that's what godliness is being like God, either you're becoming more like God, being transformed into his image by the washing of the water of the word, by the transformation of the renewing of your mind, either you're becoming more like Jesus or you've forgotten that you were saved. You see, there's this connection here. What, and I think what religion does is it focuses on sin and religion and it, 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 and, and, the, you know, and church and, and, and good works, but it forgets. The, the main point, I think if we're not focusing on being just like Jesus, if we're not focusing on who we are in heaven and who we're meant to be on the earth, if we're not focusing on how like God we are, that's why my book's called God Men, and this is not a promotion uh, of the book, but this is me trying to just be vulnerable with you to get a revelation across that I'm really angry about in my spirit because the devil does not want you to know who you are because when you know who you are, you will displace him. You know, evangelism isn't going out and witnessing. When you get it, when you get the kingdom message, when you get who you are, when you get what you've been included into, then you are the message. You are the witness. You are the letter. You're, you're the word of God that people are going to read. You know, when you know who you are and what you've been included into, you speak as though you're in heaven. You speak as though you are God. Jesus said, if you speak to this mountain as if you're God, that's the in, in, inference that he's making. 
it will be cast into the sea. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, he spoke with authority. He cast out the devil. He treated the devil like a dog and the devil obeyed him and people's bodies obeyed him because he was speaking as if he was God. He was speaking as a man of God. He was speaking with confidence because he knew who he was. He was a son of God being revealed. This same, uh, you know, sort of idea, this is in 2 Peter chapter 1, for me is repeated by John, the one Jesus loved, in John chapter 3. It says in John chapter 3, Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will become, but, but we do know that when it is finally made visible, we will be just like him, for we will see him as he truly is. Did you hear that? We will be just like him. You know, this is also repeated in many of the Psalms, including Psalm 15, which I might even just read right now. So here it is now, Psalm 17, verse 15, rather. The, the, the final verse here. As for me, because I am innocent. See, it's connected again. The, blood, the, the, cleansing, the cleansing of our sin is connected to being like God, as it was in 2 Peter, because he was saying those who are becoming more like God are are gonna are gonna have confidence and enter into heaven, but those who aren't becoming more like God have forgotten that their sins were forgiven. And this same parallel is here, it's connected. Psalm 17 verse 15, as for me, because I because I am innocent, I will see your face. Until I see you for who you really are, then I will be awakened with your form. And be fully satisfied. Can you believe that? The international version says, As for me, I will be vindicated and I will see your face. When I awake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. So the the psalm the psalmist here is saying that he is going to be like God when he dies and when he wakes up. Absolutely amazing. And so again, going back to John chapter one, John chapter three. He says, uh, was it 3 John? Hang on. Yeah, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. But we do not, sorry, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. But we do know, we, but we do know that when it is finally made visible, we will be just like him. For we will see him as he truly is. He's quoting Psalm 17:15. And then he goes on, all who focus their hope on him will always be purifying themselves, just as Jesus is pure. I, I really love just that I, I love the Passion Translation. Um, but here as well in the NIV, it says, But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves. So I really believe that what he's saying is 
is our hope is in not only in Jesus, but in the fact that we're becoming like him. And there are just so many scriptures about this. So just let me rush over a few of them. Now, I'm reading from very, very popular chapters of the Bible. The most popular chapters in the Bible clearly are Romans 8, Psalm 23, Psalm 91, Isaiah 61, Ephesians chapter 1. So I'm going to read some of these. Romans 8, just listen to this from the perspective of the kingdom being a message of the good news that you are included in the Godhead, that you're included in the family of God, that Jesus died not only to forgive your sins to get into heaven, but to give your, forgive your sins so that he can include you back into the family of God, that you are a God-man, that you are made in the image of God and you are meant for rulership. You are designed for rulership. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were ruling the earth. There was nothing that was not put under their feet. They were the lords of the earth. They were the kings of the earth. That's why Jesus is the king of us kings. You get it. Romans chapter 8, verse 17, And since we are truly his children, there we go, included in the family, we qualify to share in all of his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself, Again, we're included. I mean, to, we own what God owns. You know, to, he doesn't say that about the angels. In fact, he says we will judge the angels. Who can possibly judge angels but God himself? Yet God says we will judge the angels because we are. We are gods, okay? Made in the image of God, little g, don't freak out because I'm only telling you what it says in the Bible that you probably haven't really listened to or heard yet. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. And listen to this, we will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. So this very popular chapter eight of Romans is saying we're children of God, we share in his treasures, we're heirs of God himself, we're joined to Christ, we will inherit all that Christ has and all that he is, and we will be glorified, co-glorified with Jesus. Now, he says to us in Revelation 3, in the letters to the churches, he says, if you overcome, you will sit on my throne. Now, think about it. Jesus is saying, your father and my father are the same father. Jesus is saying, your God and my God are the same God. He said that to Mary outside the tomb on resurrection day. He said, I go to my father and your father. So he includes us in, in the Godhead because this was the very reason he was crucified. He was crucified for saying that God was his father. Jesus was crucified for making himself equal with God by saying that he was God's son. Because we know in Jesus' culture, in Hebrew culture, a son was the equal to the father. The son inherited all the father, and the son wore the ring of the father. The son had everything that was the father's and spoke on his behalf. I'm not saying that we are God, omniscient, omnipotent. That's stupid. Okay, when we go to heaven, we will not be, be worshipped. We will never be worshipped. 
That's the big difference, okay, is that we worship God. We worship Jesus Christ and God. But God has included us in his family. He's included us in himself. And we are his children. It goes on in Romans chapter 8. I'm convinced that any sufferings we can endure are less than nothing compared to the magnitude of the glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The whole universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. So there's this idea of glory, fullness, God-likeness being revealed in us. For it goes on in verse 29 of Romans 8. From the beginning, for he knew all about us before we were born and destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. That means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. That's Romans 8.29. For he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to share in the likeness of his son. So this is the idea of being included in the Godhead, that we, you know, God is a loving father. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. He's given us his son, Jesus. He will give us anything else as well. The Bible says if he's given us his son, Jesus, will he not also give us everything else? That's in the next verse. That's in Romans 8.32. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold us from us anything else he has to give. So God, the real message of the gospel is a family of kingdom sons and daughters who rule earth together with God, as one with God. If you look at the very end of the Bible, if you go to Revelation chapter 21, it's the most beautiful description for me, and it's what I look forward to because my citizenship is in heaven. The city, you know, I'm looking for a country that is not here. I do. I yearn for that country. I know my spirit groans for my place in heaven in the future. And it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Revelation 21 exclaims, Look, God's tabernacle is with human beings. And from now on, he will tabernacle with them. As their God, and now God Himself will have His home with them. Guys, do you get it? What is in the heart of the center of God's heart is that you and I would live with Him on the earth. Man never fell from heaven, Satan fell from heaven. And religion is a lie, and it would tell you that you are meant to die and escape this earth and go to heaven. But that's a lie. The kingdom message is that heaven would come to earth through you and that you and I would live on the earth together with Jesus and with the Father forever, that you and I are God's little g and that we would live on the earth together.
Psalm 8. Compared to all this cosmic glory, verse 4 in the Passion, why would you bother with puny mortal man or be infatuated with the sons of Adam? Yet what honor you have given to men, created only a little lower than Elohim, crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence, you have delegated to them mastery over all you have made, making everything subservient to their authority, placing the earth itself under their feet of your image bearers. Guys, it is just slap bang in the face, like someone slapping you in the face, this idea of not only being like God, made in the image of God, which is repeated all throughout the Bible, but being really included in the family of God, in the, in the Godhead, that we would be one with God. Jesus himself said he gave us the keys to the kingdom. We have his name. We have his body. We have his blood. We have his spirit. We have his mind. We have his word. We have his keys. And I believe that there's only one thing that's missing. There's nothing left for us to do except this one secret ingredient. I believe that the ingredient is the fire of God. You see, John the Baptist said, Jesus Christ is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Let me tell you, there is a fast track in the kingdom of God. The least of us in the kingdom of God are greater than Moses. The least of us in the kingdom of God are greater than, than, than Elijah and than, and, and than John the Baptist. Did you know that we have the power and the authority to forgive sins? Who can forgive sins but God? Hello, you and I have been included in everything that Jesus had. And his father, our father, his heart is that you would believe it. His heart is that the church would receive it, that we wouldn't be in ignorance and in unbelief anymore, that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro, but that we would literally believe this beautiful word. His word washes over us. His word washes over us with fire. It says in Revelation that Jesus' eyes are a flame of fire. So will you look into them today? And I believe he'll remind you of this message because he wants you to sit and under his eyes and let him look at you. Don't be ashamed like Peter who looked away. The reason you look away is because his eyes are fire and they burn. Come to the throne of grace with confidence. Look into the eyes of Jesus. Visualize and imagine his eyes of fire and let the fire burn you. You don't want anything on you that can be burned. What can't be burned is the, is the word of God in you, the faith that is inside of you in your spirit. 
the rest of you, you don't need. Paul said the body, you know, exercise profits little. I exercise because I'm a good manager of everything that he gives me. But I don't want anything that'll be, that won't withstand his fire. And so I just want to thank God for the fire of the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, I want to thank God for holiness right now. I believe we've forgotten about holiness. We've forgotten that when we meet God, if we meet God, you know, in our daily life or in heaven, we will fall to the ground as dead. We will fall face down on the earth. Even if an angel appears to us, we're going to fall down. But I believe we need his fire. I believe that we need to put ourselves back on the altar. We need to, he's already, as I've said, included us in to the highest level. There is nowhere else to go. Satan himself in Isaiah 14 and in Ezekiel 14, he said that he wanted to be like God, that he wanted to exalt himself above the throne of God. And he was kicked out of heaven because of it. But we were given that privilege and we didn't even want it. We didn't even know what we'd been given. We didn't even ask for it. And we're Gentiles. You've got to remember, God has a long-term view. We're in a very small moment of the Gentiles being grafted in right now. Our time is going to end because the time of the Jews being grafted in is about to begin. And we are called to provoke the Jews to jealousy. And the two are going to become one. But we Gentiles need to get it. We need to believe the Bible. We need to accept the true revelation of Jesus Christ, that we are like God, that we are one with God, and that we've been included in him that we've been included in everything that he is and everything that he has and that we need to walk the earth as gods. Psalm 82 verse 6. When we do that, the devil will flee. Sickness will be dissolved. Governments will become kingdomized. You know, the, the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdoms of our God. The bride is being washed by the water of the word. But I got a secret here. In Revelation chapter 1, it says that his voice is the sound of many rushing waters. So when he washes you with his word, let it be like a high-pressure hose. Let it be like a fire hydrant, at least like a fire hose. You know, they use water to cut through metal. They use water to cut through um, stone. Position yourself under his eyes today. And position yourself under his voice today. The word of God is his voice. His voice is the rushing of mighty waters. As you position yourself, position yourself under the fire hydrant of Jesus' voice. Speak to him. Say, Jesus, I want you to violently wash me clean. I want the exfoliation treatment. I want those blemishes washed away. I want those wrinkles ironed out. Don't hold back, Jesus. Turn up the fire. Burn me with your eyes. Turn up the flame seven times, Lord Jesus, hotter. And wash me with your word. Let your word be a fire hydrant. Let your word be like a high-pressure hose, 
a rushing of many waters that would cut off me everything that isn't of you, that would, would, would chip away at the stone in my heart and leave a heart of flesh in Jesus' name. And so I just pray for you guys who are listening. I just pray the fire of God on you right now in Jesus' name. Whoa, I put it on you right now. The fire of God. And I have one word of advice. Let it burn. Let it burn when you feel uncomfortable. Let it burn when you feel vulnerable. Let it burn when you don't know what to do. Let it burn when you feel that you've come to the end of yourself. You need to know. You and I need to know when we come to the end of ourselves because that's when God turns up. Jesus came to the end of himself when he said, Father, can you take away this cup from me? But not my will, but your will. Let that verse remain in your mind as an example of the delineation between where you end and where God begins. That's the place of fire where you're sweating blood. Yeah? where you've had enough and you don't want to go on and you can't go on and all you can do is say, but God. And I'm telling you, a strength will rise up and a fire will rise up and you will stand up and say like Stephen, that I see Jesus standing, Jesus standing on his throne. He's on his seat. He's standing on his throne and he's applauding you and me. And he's cheering us on. And not only are we going to get into heaven, but we're going to have a place on his throne. We're going to be seated on his throne. The cherubim and the four living creatures are going to be around us. The smoke is going to fill the temple with glory. And this is going to happen in your life today. This is going to happen in your life on the earth. And you and I are being qualified for the thousand-year rule of Christ on the earth. I pray also, and I say you have been given the keys to the kingdom. If you're a Christian and he owns you, just say you own me, Jesus. Just say, come into my heart. Take over my life. Burn me with your fire. Say, tell Jesus, you will find me on your altar and I will never get off. You know, there will be opportunities to take yourself off the altar. Don't do it. Don't take the easy path. Remember, we're following Jesus. We're not being conformed to the pattern of this world. Remember, his road is narrow and few find it. You need to make a decision. Even if I'm the only Christian on the earth, I will follow him. Even if everyone else goes away and follows after Baal, I will follow Jesus Christ. I will stay on the altar. God, you will find me on the altar where the fire burns. If you can stay on that place, I'm telling you, God will do everything else because he's already done everything else. You cannot please God in the flesh. You can only please God in the spirit. So you might as well stay on the altar because on the altar... Your flesh is going to burn. So I give you the kingdom today. I bestow upon you the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, you give them the revelation of the kingdom of God. 
I pray, Father, you give them the revelation of the sons of God, of the Spirit of God, of Jesus Christ, of the seed of the kingdom, that you they would understand the word. And what I've really been doing today is I've been weeding out the weeds from their soil. I've been extracting the the tears that the enemy has tried to sow. I've been putting some new soil on there so that their seed is not scorched by the sun. I've been gathering the seed that fell by the wayside and putting it in the good soil. You will breathe on them, God. I declare today that this seed will not be forgotten. This seed will not be stolen. This person will receive the word and by God, it will produce a crop 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. I just pray, Father, that you water this seed. And I pray the prayer that Jesus prayed, that you would protect them from the evil one. Don't take them out of the world, but protect them from the evil one. I plead your blood over them, Jesus. Lord, I assign angels to them, a 100 angels each that those angels would guard and steward the word that they've received today, that they would make sure that these people would stay on their path, the path that was written in their books in heaven today, that they will not stray from the path. And would you even give God permission and just say, God, no matter what, keep me on the path. No matter how much I kick and scream and beg, I'm telling you now in advance, don't listen to me because I want you now to keep me on track. God is so jealous of you. He loves you and he's so jealous of the path that he has for you. He's so jealous with a jealousy. His name is jealous. He is so jealous of your path. He does not want you to stray from your path. He does not want you to walk to the left or to the right. But we pray that we would be like Elijah who said that he would be in the wheel of the chariot of God. There's a, I think it's in the Psalms or in Isaiah somewhere. It says that we, when we need to follow the line that the chariot of God leaves in the dirt. That's the vision that I have, you know, for you and for me, that we would, it's like the chariot of God goes ahead of us and we just look down at that, the, where the wheel made, left a mark. We want to stay so close to the path that God has for us that we will, we will walk, our feet will walk inside the groove that was left by his chariot. James chapter 4 says, Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. Guys, 
again, I began this message in humility and, and in vulnerability, and I'm going to end it the same way and say that I, I just felt God is wanting me to put um, an opportunity to give in the comments here. Um, so that's, I don't want you to do it unless you God tells you to do it, so don't worry about it. Um, but if you feel led and, and you know, as, as it's going to be in there as an opportunity to give. Um, so God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And please, please share this message. I don't know, you know, I know other people are preaching it, but God help us. Everyone on earth needs to know this. This is not just for Christians. Everyone on earth needs to know that they are included in the family of God, that they are gods made in the image of God to rule and reign on the earth. And they need to know. They need to know who they are. They need to hear this message. So please, please share this message. I'm going to repost this on Facebook, on Instagram, on, on YouTube under Kingdom Dynamics Podcast. Welcome to the end of religious Christianity. If you're truly born again, you've got the joy of the Lord inside of your spirit. You've got power inside of your spirit. My gift from God is to move you into your spirit, man, where God is, where you know all things, where things present and things to come are yours. Come with me into the kingdom of God.